Coast to Coast Combat Hour, Ed Carbajal with Matthew Just Bleed Hawkins on the fight week of UFC 239 and 4th of July week. What's up, Matt? I know you're uh, heading up to uh, Vegas. Yep, getting bags packed and uh, getting ready to get on the road sooner than later. So for for folks listening, we're pre-recording this because Matt's got a lot of traveling to do. And uh, 4th of July is on Thursday, so... Obviously, it's going to be a crazy week for both the, for everybody because, uh, you know, a lot of traveling and stuff for I'll probably be jumping between Jersey and New York. Um, but, um, yeah, so we're coming up. We're doing this uh, the day after the Minneapolis event. I know uh, we both watched it. So uh, and you wanted to talk about some fights of note from that, Matt. Well, I mean, just the, the main recap of some of the bigger fights. Um, Damian Maya, not the most exciting fight of all time but he did what he does best and uh, managed to drag down uh, Anthony Martin and, and pick up a win, uh, making him the second uh, behind. Uh, I kind of can't remember slips my mind. who's number one, but uh, he's number two all time winningest fighter now in UFC history. So just thought that was interesting. I know you being mm-hmm. a jiu-jitsu guy. You had your eye on that fight. Oh yeah. I watched the whole thing for me. It wasn't boring. I thought it was great. I mean, I feel like uh, Tony Martin found, found a groove to, to at least throw, you know, caution to the wind and it was, was landing some shots towards the end there, or, you know, with the takedown defense and stuff, but too little too late. I mean, he, he had already gotten worn out by uh, Maya's uh, super, super high-level jiu-jitsu pressure game or whatever you want to call it. I mean, I know people say it's not exciting, but, I mean, that's, uh, that's artist-level jiu-jitsu Especially the way he brings it to uh, MMA, so I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean I, I it didn't mean it to be disrespectful. I it was a it was an interesting fight because with him you always it, there's always that question of whether he's going to get his guys down and he gets them down and he controls them. Uh, there was never really a, a moment in the fight unless it's slipping my mind where he was really mm. close to a finish. So perhaps yeah. that's that's where it it loses a little bit of its luster. Uh, you know, it's one thing when you got a jujitsu guy and he's working his stuff and he's, he's just barely not getting some, some submissions, but um, yeah. you know, it, it, it's Damien Mai. He's 41. We've seen his act for a long time now, and he's clearly one of the top, you know, Walter weights in the world, but he just has that problem when he can't get the takedown. He's, he's basically a fish out of water on his feet. I know he lands some punches here and there uh, when, when he's, when his opponents are really looking for the takedown, but for the most part with these big wrestlers in, in the Walter Wake division, it's always going to give them trouble. Yeah. I forgot what it was. He said, and um, he did an interview with a, with a, one of the jujitsu publications. And I, I had wrote, written about it. I forget. Maybe at MMA news, but he pretty much was just like, I want to, um, you know, he just wants to, he's not trying to do anything else, but, but just get, keep up the, the win record and, and, you know, be the, the highest winning Brazilian fighter that the UFC has had to date. And, um, I mean, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's well on his way to do that. I mean, it's just a frustrating style. Even, um, uh, who Kumar Usman, who beat him was commenting afterwards on, uh, just how, you know, it's, it's, it's something that you kind of have to de- just find a way to deal with and, and win at least win it on the judges, you know, cause they're obviously engaging him on the ground, especially early, you know, when they're dry and submissions are, 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 are harder to get out of, you know, it's just, uh, it's just a danger zone. So yeah, hats off to him. 
Um, I think uh, I like the Benavidez win too, and his call out to Cejudo. That was uh, unexpected for me. Uh, uh, I just hadn't seen Benavidez fight in a while, so. Yeah, I mean, I thought he would. I thought he'd win the fight. He had beaten Formiga in the past. I thought it would be. I didn't think he'd finish him. I thought we'd be looking at a decision where uh, Benavidez was just the more active fighter. Mm. Um, but I mean, we look look through his record. I mean, he moves to twenty eight and five now. Uh, looks like he's six. Let's see, seven, eight, nine and one in his last ten, uh, with the only loss being a really close split decision to Sergio Pettis. Hard to deny the guy. He's got a win over Cejudo, although via split decision as well. Yeah. Uh, he's beaten the top, you know, beaten Formiga twice, uh, beaten Dustin Ortiz twice. He's he's pretty much wiped out the division, other than the champ and. Uh, He's a, he's a soldier who's put in his time and been fighting for a very long time. Um, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter. I know uh, Algermain Sterling's, uh, you're a big fan of his. I don't know if you saw his tweet today where he basically said that yeah. if he gets bypassed for Benavides, uh, all respect to Benavides, he'd be, you know, he'd be down to be passed basically for him. Uh, and that's the only person right now just because he's uh, basically a warrior who's who's earned his stripes. and Yeah. Uh, Earned, clearly earned the shot now. If there is a 125 pound championship ever again, it, it's got to be Benavides and, and Cejudo. Yeah, I agree with that too. I mean, it's hard it's hard to argue against. Uh, but uh, you know, the, the thing with these double champs and and uh, somebody put out some poll out there uh, after the event, like what's what's annoying you about the UFC right now? And and I said interim titles because I already smell what an interim fight coming i was he's uh Cejudo's doing a good job of keeping fans updated though like uh about his progress and his surgery so he's he's saying four or five months he should be back but i mean it's shoulder surgery um i know um tj dillashaw commented on it on uh, when he uh since uh when he spoke to chael son in the week of bell tour 222 i mean obviously everybody talked about how he, he talked about the drug thing but he talked about his own shoulder surgery and how you know, they usually tell you four or five months, but then there's rehab and there's things like that. I mean, to get back to fighting at the level that these guys compete at, uh, I see him sitting out longer to the point that we're going to hear the interim title for one of the two titles he holds, most likely bantamweight. But, uh, I mean, that's that's down the road from, uh, you know, from where we're at now. Uh, obviously, as far as title shots go, Francis Ngannou certainly made his uh, case last night. I mean, yeah, my pick was wrong. I thought JDS would fight smarter. Kind of came out and fought like a. Uh, I mean, the fight was only a minute long, but I, I just I, I always get thrown off when I when I see guys who tend to be a little bit more technical all of a sudden come in and just start winging punches and turning their back and yeah. just being out of control. I mean, it was the one way that he had no chance to win the fight, and seems like that's how he decided to fight. I mean, he throws one leg kick and and it drops Ngannou. And then he starts just winging giant punches, leaving himself open. And uh, if there's one thing we've learned with, with Ngannou is you can't let him touch you. Whether it, yeah. it's a grazing shot, you just you, you got to keep your hands up and you got to, you know. And we've seen in fights where where it's been stretched out beyond the first round, he tends to have a little bit of issues. Yeah. So I, I expected some leg kicks, some jabs, kind of this circle, you know, maybe a, a, a light first round and, and then and then maybe some aggression later on in the fight. But uh, just seemed like a, a bad game plan, yeah. or he just got into it where he decided he was just going to see who the tougher guy was, and uh, he lost. 
Which is always the, I think, the the wrong move when it comes to, you know, like you, I, you've seen it happen before when when two guys that try to out wrestle, like with uh, Tito Ortiz when he fought Randy Couture, he wanted to he wanted to try to prove himself to be the better better wrestler, and that that didn't work out for him. And then um, this fight, like the the fact that he decided to go, I actually thought he was gonna do uh, just pressure, you know, try to uh, like grapple him or keep. Keep the space close for, for where Nugano can't, you know, uh, hook off on him the way that uh, that he's been doing to guys. But um, yeah, I was surprised to see JDS do that too, man. But um, you know, he even said afterward it was like, you know, it wasn't the move to make, but that's in that don't matter now. He lost. Yeah, I mean, he's had some fights in his career where I've always kind of, you know, he's being Brazilian. Maybe it's just that I'm brainwashed, and we're all brainwashed into believing him being Brazilian. He has some kind of ground game. And obviously, everybody that comes to Brazil tends to have the, the accolades of being a, a jiu-jitsu, you know, master or at least really good at it. And we've just never seen it with him. Like you said, we know Ngannou, based off his fight with Stipe, was once the fight was down on the ground, he was in big trouble. So I kind of thought the same thing. Maybe he'd mm-hmm. try to clinch up. Maybe he'd try to drag him to the ground. You know, try to throw him off a little bit instead of getting into a firefight. Um, and, and obviously, that's not the right move. Uh, Nganu basically from here looks to probably fight the winner of DC versus Stipe uh, Miosic at uh, UFC 241 in August. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if, well, I guess it all depends on how it goes down. If, if DC wins, I don't know if he still retires or if he feels like there's one more guy out there to try to clean out the division before he leaves or, or how that goes down. Um, DC yeah. might just might win and figure that's the time to get the hell out of there before he risks brain damage. But uh, both of those guys are, are really not a good matchup for Nganu. I think, uh, I think potentially at least both of those guys uh, obviously have the pedigree to get him down to the ground and, and grind him out. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely uh, something that Ngannou's thinking, too. If you watch the uh, post-fight press conference, he addressed uh, DC's retirement and and of the two of them who he'd want to fight next. And he 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 really wants to, you know, he definitely wants to rematch with Stipe, whether the, the title's on the line or not. But obviously, first and foremost, he wants a title shot with the winner. So, but for him, it's more likely that he, one way or the other, he's fighting Stipe more than he'd be facing DC because uh, he even said, you know, we have to see what DC wants to do because uh, obviously, you know, March was supposed to be when he retired and now, um, you know, it's being extended to get this, get this, uh, the rematch that should have been happening, you know, for, for the division with uh, Miocic and, and Cormier. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, uh, the, the heavyweight division is definitely interesting and if DC does retire, it's going to be even more interesting because everybody's going to be looking to, you know, make their case to to fight for a, on a pay-per-view headline in the future. So speaking of future pay-per-view headliners, uh, so you're going to be there at UFC 239 Fight Week. I'm uh, I'm interested to see what they're doing. I mean, before we get into the fights, we got to talk about. So since you're going to be there, and you and I have talked about it a lot, we mentioned on the podcast International Fight Week. Um, the stuff I'm seeing scheduled for the week, it seems like maybe they've heard some people complain and it looks like I saw the, the, the fan experience is back in the event center, right? So it's, it's in the downtown event center. I think it's uh, in the same one that it was in last year. Uh-oh. I didn't, I didn't go down to it last year because I was so thrown off by the previous year seeing it was outdoors. So yeah. this is in, this is in the downtown Las Vegas it does look like it is mainly indoors, though, which is a, a big step up from 
seeing people lined up in 120 <laughs> degree weather. Yeah. Um, it does look like a solid lineup. It's not as simple as it used to be. You got to have their app and then you need to make reservations for certain autograph sessions. And then there's kind of a, dis- I don't know if there's a clear distinction between an autograph session, if you can get photos or if that's just autographs or, you know, or how it goes. And then they have meet and greets where it's like a handful of fighters. So it, it is a little bit, uh, it seems like an upgrade from what I saw two years ago. Like I said, I wasn't, I did I kind of bypassed on it last year because I expected it to, to not be that good. But I do know some people who went last year and, and had a decent time. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the list of fighters is good. It looks like they've got a solid, you know, 40 or 50 pretty good name, uh, pretty good name guys there. So I, I was glad to see that when you start seeing top contenders. It was it was seemed like it was starting to fade off or it was just kind of mid card people that they were getting there. And it's nice to see again, you know, them having some champions and some bigger names for the fans yeah. to meet. I mean, I went to uh, the uh, 2015, 2016 international fight weeks. So those were like, in comparison, those were awesome. Compared yeah, I to... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I missed the multiple events. Yeah, that was I... always the thing that was kind of what separated it from. Just Not even that. I mean, there. there was there was just like, I mean, you could literally walk somewhere, and there was some UFC sponsor. This this is obviously when the Fertitas ran the joint. But there was some UFC sponsored party that you could get into, and you know, as long as you had a ticket to something, you got in. You didn't have to. It didn't cost you any extra money, and it was, uh, you know, uh, sponsored by Pandora and God knows what what else. And and um, yeah, so like that's what I. I mean, I got used to that, and that now that's no longer the case. So so you let me know afterwards. I'll, I expect the full report when you come back home. Yeah, Let me know. Uh, you, you, that way we know in 2020 if me and you will be out there again like we were for uh, whenever I first met you. Yeah, that was a couple years ago. But yeah, I don't um, I don't know. I expect it to be fun. I, I don't I've, I don't my expectations aren't what they used to be anymore. So if the fan experience goes down and that's fun and uh, there is the Hall of Fame induction ceremony in the past that was just took place during the Expos. Yeah, uh, I believe last year was the first year they actually had it as a separate event, and they charge twenty dollars a ticket. I guess yeah. all money goes to charity, so I have no problem spending twenty twenty five bucks, whatever it was, with fees to to get away for a couple hours uh, out of Vegas, especially because yeah. you know money money tends to disappear there no matter what <laughs> you're doing. So so just That's... getting a chance to be in a, in a venue with the fighters and stuff. Um, Wednesday nights, the MMA Fighters Only Awards. Um, I'm also going to be attending that. So hopefully Ooh. I'll have some good coverage. I, I got a lot yeah, of action going got, this week. Hopefully you got some good news, too. And sure dog wins for best outlet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll bring the air horn and, uh, and alert when they win that, too. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so, so there should be an action-packed weekend. I mean, a week for, for fight fans. You know, all the stuff's open to the public. So if you are a fight fan in the area or going out there, there is a lot of stuff that um, if you're willing to spend a couple bucks, there's there's ton of uh, ton of things. The expo is free, but like I said, you need to download the UFC 2019 uh, fan experience app in order to make reservations. They, they haven't opened up the reservations for that yet. I believe that will probably happen on Wednesday or so. And then they'll start sending you out your confirmations for the times. They'll do give they, you like a two-hour window to show do they, up. Do they still do the 5K? Uh, I don't see that advertised anymore. Huh. So that's, you know, it seemed like yeah. an easy, you know, it seemed like that was popular too. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not one to go out there at 110 and 
even walk, <laughs> walk a 5k but yeah. uh but i know that that seemed popular i remember seeing a lot of people walking yeah. around with their numbers and stuff so it seems weird you'd get rid of stuff like that but um yeah i, I don't know i i one thing that that at least has been fairly constant now we uh we tend to get a curse every year but they do it <laughs> and I'm then bring I, that I, up I'm, I'm afraid to, you know uh, we've had a couple fights already kind of disappear from this card um may, one of them being the Nganu and and uh JDS fight that happened uh, last night but that was that was to fill a main event that wasn't due to an injury or anything uh and then we did lose uh Shane O'Malley's fight due to him still having uh residual drugs in his system and Nevada being not able to uh or refusing to license him which yeah. is pretty ironic considering the main event John Jones <laughs> uh still has drugs in his system from like 7 years ago or yeah. or whenever but uh yeah so it, it is kind of weird but I don't know at least they load the card um I know we're going to go through the main card. I just glancing yeah. at it. There are a couple fights on the, on the prelims that, that really gather my attention. Uh, Claudia Gadelia, uh, Randa Marcos. I think that's a really good, uh, straw weight female fight. And, uh, that's one that I kind of got my eye on. And then obviously Gilbert Melendez, he's, uh, on the downside of his career, but as somebody who watched him fight live in strike force and going back to, uh, you know, years and years watching him fight it's it's cool to always see him get thrown on a card especially on a prelim where you, you don't really see that but he fights uh, arnold allen who's 14 and one up and coming studs so i don't think it's going to end real well for gilbert but uh like i said as an old school fan it's cool to see him on the card yeah so uh like you mentioned how i mean you're not trying to curse the card or whatever but it's it's hard not to worry when you have john jones main 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 eventing an international fight week card in Las Vegas. Um, the last time I was there, I mean, uh, I remember I was at the fight pass party at the Red Rock Casino when uh, Eric Winter sat down. He was a VP of fight pass back then, and he sat down at my table with me and uh, the chick I was with, and, uh, you know, he was just like, we're about to break some really bad news, so open bar for the rest of the night because it was supposed to be like for an hour. And then we had to like buy drinks, but then he, when when the news was starting to circulate, he was like, "Yeah, everybody's about to get really pissed off." And the news was that John Jones wasn't going to be on that card anymore. So, uh, and I know Brett Okamoto asked Dana White that, and it kind of like it looked like Dana White didn't even think of that. And he was like, "Let's hope not." So, I hope for your sake. I mean, I know I know the first one I'll hear from is you if something happens, but um, yeah, man. I mean, that being said, uh, I don't know how you want to come at this card uh, as far as looking at it it's uh there's five fights on the main card um i'm actually happy to see diego sanchez uh on the main card again uh for pay-per-view so um i don't know do you want to start with uh the main event or work our way up from diego and chiesa's fight your favorite fighter michael chiesa <laughs> <laughs> i figured you were gonna say that um, no, we, we, yeah we can start down there and work our way up uh Yes, yeah, Sanchez is definitely interesting. Another guy who Ultimate Fighter one winner, been around forever. Um, just seems like it wasn't too long ago he was one of the Fight Pass prelims, if not the uh, the, yeah. the one of the he was either first or second fight of the night. I I can't recall exactly, but he, he fought on. I think uh, uh, Jim Miller was another guy who was on that same card, and they were both on Fight Pass prelims, and now they're. They've worked their way back back up to uh, to main card status. So uh, it'll be an interesting fight between him and uh, uh, Kiesa. Um, 
I, it's almost a toss-up to me. I, I, I feel like uh, Kiesa's the, the, the better fighter, at least at this point in his career. But uh, part of me thinks that Sanchez is just going to be a, that aggressive bulldog yeah. and, uh, and figure out a way to uh, overwhelm him a little bit. And, uh, I'm going to go with Sanchez by, uh, by decision. I, I think both of them are durable enough probably to avoid a, a finish unless mm-hmm. uh, Sanchez lands some big ground and pound maybe if he gets him down. But I'll go with Sanchez by decision in a, in, in, in a pretty good back-and-forth fight. I think this will be a even, fairly even fight where the aggressor might just pull it off. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're, I'm with you on Sanchez. I actually think he might. I think he can pull off a submission just because of his prowess. Uh, he, you know, he likes to grapple. I know Chiesa's um, been prone to like getting his back taken, so um, I think Sanchez can pull off a submission win. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe like second round, but that's where I'm. That's where I am with that one. Yeah. So uh, I think it'll be a good opening fight, though, to get the, to get the action. Oh yeah. Going. Uh, next fight, light heavyweight bout, uh, light heavyweight debut for Luke Rockholt uh, against Jan Blakovic. Um, I, I'm looking at topology. I find it kind of weird that they actually have Rockhold ranked as the number 48 middleweight in the world. I was looking at that earlier, and I thought that that was kind of strange. I, I know he's coming off a loss, and he hasn't been a super active, but it seems kind of low to me. I, I Obviously, this fight's at light heavyweight, but to see him ranked number 48, uh, when, when, you know, Chris Weidman's number 10 was a little odd to me, but that that's neither here nor there. Uh, I think he's going to have trouble with the size, uh, and, and his lack of uh, activity. So, uh, I'll take Jan by, uh, whew. I think Jan's going to finish him, uh, about middle of the second round. I think he'll hit him with something big and, and cause some problems for Rockhold. I could be completely wrong. Rockhold could school him because historically I would say he's the more, uh, the better, more technical fighter. I just think he's going to have problems with the size uh, and strength difference. Uh, I mean, you make you make a good. Uh, so before we started recording, um, once again for folks listening, we're pre-recording this on Sunday, so that way, if any of these fights fall through, you know, you don't get you don't blame us while Matt's drinking it up in uh, Las Vegas and and, <laughs> and I'm getting fat at, at jujitsu barbecues here in Jersey, but um. Uh, You've actually, I mean, you you make a really strong point for me. Uh, I mean, we don't know how he's going to handle the fighting at that division. I know most of these guys walk around and train heavier than what they fight at, but um, I think it's different when you feel the pressure of someone at at that level in that weight class that's comfortable with it. Uh, it could be, I, I see that being a problem for him too. So, um, plus Luke Rockhold hasn't been the Rockhold that uh, you know that what that that I remember. You know what I mean? I don't know. If, that makes any sense like i feel like uh i feel like he uh, maybe he's just not the 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 aggressive uh controlling you know ground specialist i know that question mark kick he threw it enough times to mess up his own knee so because it does it does uh you know wear and tear on the knee when you throw that kick so um yeah i i i see uh i i'm i'm with you on that one too uh you know that brings us up to uh what a lot of people might see as almost the main event of the night, to be honest with you, uh, a fight that it's kind of the fan main event of, of the evening, at least uh, Ben Askren, uh, Jorge Masvidal, uh, 19 and 0 Askren, former Bellator champion, former one champion made his UFC debut, won a slightly controversial fight 
uh, although he did get the finish against uh, Robbie Lawler in his debut. Masvidal coming off a huge upset knockout of uh, Darren Till. I want I I want to say I want Masvidal to win this fight, and I can't, I'll be I'll be rooting for him as the underdog. I tend to do that, especially one where I kind of see it as a major underdog, mm-hmm. and he's going up against an undefeated fighter. So it's always fun for me to see some kind of history or something. So seeing Askren suffer his first loss, in a sense, would be a bit of history. Although going to twenty and zero uh, with this win would also be quite a notch on his belt. I I just can't see it happening until I see somebody finish Askren. I got to go with him and his wrestling. I, I feel like Lawler came as close as you can physically come to doing it. And a lot of people thought the fight should have been stopped in his initial barrage. I I just, I haven't seen it yet with Askren. Uh, He grabs everybody. He drags them down to the ground and, and nobody can do anything. And I, uh, I haven't seen enough in Masvidal's career to see that he's going to be able to get it, get up from the ground or, or be able to defend, you know, or threaten with any kinds of submissions or, or, uh, or anything like that to be able to really make Askren fear being on the ground with him. So I'm going to take Askren. I don't think he'll finish Masvidal unless it's by like a head and arm choke, maybe after he wears him down, I'll probably go with Askren by decision, or I will go with him by decision, uh, in in a, uh, you know, 30, 27, 30, 26, there could easily be a 10, eight round in my opinion, where he takes him down and, and Masvidal doesn't get a single strike off and is basically just wrestled for for 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, um, since he's already kind of uh, gotten through, I have I have Askren picked to win too. I wrote down his name uh, before we started recording, but um, one of the, the only concerns I have are the one of the things he mentioned, like when he fought Lawler, he said he wasn't expecting him to be as strong as he was, and um. You know, from talking to like, uh, you know, you talk to guys that get in the UFC, um, something my instructor said, actually, when uh, so Ricardo Romero was like 11 and one before he got to the UFC and fought in their light heavyweight division. And then um, he fought, you know, he fought three times there. And uh, one of the things my instructor said was like, uh, I don't think there's anyone in the UFC that does not hit like harder than what you're used to seeing in other promotions. So I'm when I, that's what I think of when I think of George Masvidal. So I'm wondering just because of what happened in the Lawler fight, because it looked like not only did the slam seem to take a little uh, away from Askren, but uh, the strikes looked like they hurt him too before he got, you know, his wrestling in. Um, I'm wondering if he can get taken by surprise again. Um, I want to say that, that he got, he, he, he's, been through that, been there, done that with the Lawler fight. So that's the reason why I'm, I, I can see Askren doing another uh, decision victory, like you said. But um, that's the only concerns I have. I still have Askren picked to win. Yeah, I just think until until somebody finishes him and we see his true weakness. I mean, he showed he had a chin in his last fight. I think if anything that that helps him going into this fight. Masvidal is a bulldog. Yeah, and uh, and. and is as tough as it gets. I just don't know. We haven't seen anybody who can stand up to Askren's pressure wrestling. So until somebody does and really neutralizes that, then you got to go with him. Um, that brings us to the co-main event title fight, women's bantamweight title, uh, Amanda Nunes on a huge nine fight win streak facing off uh, against Holly Holm. Who's uh, been up and down, but continually gets title shots uh, coming off a win over uh, Megan Anderson. <laughs> Uh, 
I, I believe it or not, I'm going to pick Holly Holm. And I'm going to pick Holly home because it doesn't make any sense. And I feel, I feel like uh, there's certain things that don't make sense. Amanda Nunes winning her last fight against Cyborg at uh-huh. 145. I feel like it'll just, it kind of threw a tilt to the, to the martial arts world. And I feel like now she comes back down to 135 and Holmes going to, uh, Holmes going to f- figure out a way or land something big. That's gonna uh, that's gonna that's gonna hurt Nunes. And again, I, I don't know why. I just feel there's a part of me that just feels like because it, it makes so little sense that Holm really even has this title shot that somehow she's gonna win the fight and and just throw the division uh, into a little bit of chaos. Uh, also, you know, I gotta see Nunes get back down to 135. In the past, she seemed to have some issues making weight. I know she has some nasal issues that caused the actual cancellation to a Vegas fight. Wasn't it? Wasn't it an international fight week as well? Yeah, I think it yeah. was. It was a uh, yeah, it was you know two years ago on Shevchenko. So that uh, that's there. I mean, her last fight. I mean, she looked huge when I see her on TV uh, when she's you know working the corners and stuff. Yeah. She looks big. So I'll be curious to see how how the the cut goes for her. Um, and I hate to bring that up considering the like you said the past we've had on these events, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like because it makes no sense, Holly Holm will figure out a way to win this fight. And, uh, and that's all I got to say. I, I think Nunes is the better fighter, uh, especially now. Uh, and she's on a roll. But again, even more of a reason for her to take an upset loss and lose, in my opinion. Yeah. So it was UFC 213 that uh, that happened. That was an international fight week card with the sinus issues that she withdrew from from that main event. Um, well, she's a co-main event here, so um, and uh, I'd be lying if I if I said uh, if I didn't uh, notice the same thing you noticed. Um, she admitted that she needed time to get big to fight Cyborg, um, to get the mass and the power and 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 you know to to go up against her. Um, so getting rid of that to go back down to one thirty-five, it yeah, who knows how how that's gonna wear her down, but uh. I'm gonna. I'm still picking her to win. I think uh, because uh, obviously Holly Holm has shown, um, you know, she's uh, she's not a great grappler. She's she's good at. She's got great footwork to avoid the takedowns. But um, I think um, I think Nunez can take whatever Holly Holm puts out in the striking to get close enough to impose uh, her 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 newfound strength and get her on the ground and. and possibly work in a submission um so i'm picking i'm picking nunez to win if she uh if she's healthy and obviously if the fight doesn't fall apart so i'll leave it like that (laughs) then that brings us to the the finale of the night uh what we hope to be a john jones fight again that's always a a a toss-up but uh he returns after his devastation of uh alexander gustafson at ufc 232 at the end of uh, December of last year, Jones versus Tiago Santos. Uh, Santos kind of the the flavor of the day in a bit. He's been on a nice little run since he got to light heavyweight, twenty one and six. Obviously, Jones is is twenty four and one with that one loss being controversial, <sighs> um, or a disqualification, but somewhat controversial, especially now with them trying to go back and possibly reverse yeah. that, um, which is which is somewhat ridiculous but uh i i i mean this to me this isn't a great main event 
Uh, it's Jones is a great fighter and he deserves to headline any card that he's on. Um, to me, it seems like a mismatch and I'm sure that the, I haven't looked at the odds, but I imagine the odds makers have it as a mismatch too. No, uh, not, not, not so much. What is it? It's gotta be what? Three to four to one at least. I, uh, they change actually. That's why I, I actually placed my bet a little early cause, cause, um, uh, they had, uh, Santos at plus 500, last week and now he's plus 475 so, so it's it's not i mean this isn't ronda rousey holly holm and and it's not one of those that would uh would shake the world in a it, at least as a gambling sense but yeah in, in an mma sense i think it would um yeah now with that said if if santos were to pull the upset off this is going to be a violent fun finish um at least to watch if you're not a john jones fan with that said, I believe Jones will probably avoid the big strikes, take him down, and I actually think he's going to finish him in the first round. I think he's hmm. going to take him down, elbow him, uh, possibly submit him, or or just pound on him. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I I keep I can't help but keep having flashbacks from UFC 200 where Musashi just pounded him out and and branch knocking him out. I, I know he's had been on a nice run, but it's hard for me to see guys that have been dominated in, in such that fashion, uh, be able to take out somebody like John Jones. So he's always got a striker shot. He's kind of the, in a sense, he's a kind of the Nganu of the, that division at this point where you don't want to get hit by him. But, uh, I just don't see how he can win. I, I mean, I, I see how he can win. He can win by landing a big punch, but that's kind of been what we've dealt with with John Jones and in, in a lot of his fights. And, I just think that he's he's just too much. He'll outclass him. Plus, he gets to fight on steroids. So if you get to fight on <laughs> steroids, <laughs> that's a huge advantage. So yeah. uh, I'll go with John Jones. Late first, uh, mid-second round finish, depending on if it goes to the second round. Obviously, he's got to work it back down to the ground. But uh, I think that Jones is going to be smart enough to know he doesn't want to dance around with Santos. And he's going to do his best to, to get him down. Yeah, I mean, John Jones is a great fighter um, as far as, like, the wins he's gotten and stuff like that. So, I, I mean, I, I might go on a little bit of a rant here because, so, as folks that listen to this podcast know, you know, I, I, I cover the sport. I write for several different websites, and I'm always a little shocked when uh, I, I make an objective statement like, uh, you know, every, every dog has his day and... and you know, somebody's got to got to catch an L after a while when they've been winning, and the the way that people are such fanboys for John Jones, like you cannot ignore that 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 is a fact of life. Like that is a reality. Somebody is, no matter how long you're winning, you're gonna catch a loss at at some point. Um, so for that reason is why I'm picking uh, Tiago Santos to win. Um, I don't. I mean, of course, if I'm wrong, I'm gonna be wrong and whatever, but. I mean, if if not Santos, someone's going to do it soon. You know what I mean? Um, I just, I saw things that, that folks are, are, when I tried to t just mention it, the folks that, that I write at these sites with were getting so, you know, like you can't be dick riding fighters all the time. <laughs> not for nothing. Like, like, like chill the fuck out. I mean, you, you, if you cover the sport, you got to be objective about it. And that like, like there's, there's no denying that everything has an end point. So, I mean, John Jones has his. It might not be UFC 239, but somebody's got his number out there. And the older he gets, you know, the that skills, the skills that he has, steroids or not, are, are going to start to fade. Um, so, 
I just feel in something about the way Santos has been winning. Um, watching them face off against each other, uh, I did notice that. I mean, obviously Jones has re- a reach advantage, and um, he's smart. Like if somebody, somebody that somebody that comes at him with power, like he did against Anthony Smith, he's going to do that oblique kick and chip away at the legs, you know, to take away their mobility, which takes away their power, you know, and uh, you get them fighting. You get them fighting cautious, and then he and then he gets aggressive. So if if Jones wins. If Jones wins, I don't see him winning as early as you do, Matt. But I do see if he wins, I see it maybe coming third, fourth, or maybe even going to the fifth round. Um, uh, I know you said Santos has been finished, so he could he could probably get finished. But I'm still picking Santos because I think the puncher's chance is increasing the more John Jones fights. So I'm giving it to him for that reason. No, I like it. I like it. I like that you're going after some MMA, MMA media. We're not talking about Cepeda or, or uh, Cloud Ioli. These are these aren't Yahoo clowns that you're talking about. These are other people. So no, uh, I mean these are people that I mean if they listen to this podcast, they'll say something to me. But I, I already said my piece with them, you know, in our own little individual, you know. I and I I don't argue about stuff, but I mean, you know, this this is our podcast, so I'm allowed to be a little bit forthright <laughs> in my opinions, and and that's my opinion. I mean fucking chill out like you know these john jones ain't thinking about none of yous so so fucking you know look at the look at fights for what they are every everyone's got everyone has everyone's number can get got and i just feel like john jones day is coming no i think so i think i think that you're i think you're right i don't know if this will be the fight but eventually you're gonna get a loss i yeah you know smart asses will always show a picture of you know, Floyd Mayweather or something yeah. like that. But, you know, uh, yeah. in a sense, you know, Jones fighting Anthony Smith in his last fight, and now Tiago Santos, he's kind of starting to take that Mayweather path a little bit of, okay, I'm going to start boosting my record, but I'm fighting guys who I probably shouldn't be fighting. Now, Santos has earned his way up. It's a light, it's a weaker division. Uh, I think John Jones needs to be fighting the Nganus and the, and the uh, JDS and the Cormiers at heavyweight. And I, I think that those are the fights that, that at least me as a fight fan, those are the fights that I want to see mm. uh, him go up there. He, uh, I didn't read the whole comment, but I know he makes comments about how if he goes up to heavyweight, he's not going to fight the guys that ha- are smarter than him that have a, a big weight advantage, you know, but that's, you know, he fights guys that where he has a huge size advantage over 90% of the time. So it's kind of, you know, he's able to cut the weight and get down, but I'd like to see him fight some of the bigger guys, even if it's at like 220, 225 pound catch weights, you know, challenge yourself a little bit, you know, once he gets through this fight at light heavyweight, you know, without going through the rankings, I'm not sure exactly who, who's there to really challenge him again. Uh, I mean, obviously Anthony Smith's coming off another big win, but over Gustafson, but he's not going to fight him again. Uh, Fans are not going to pay to see that. So I don't know. I, I, I think it'd be great if he lost. I think it would stir everything up. It might force yeah. his hand to move to heavyweight. He probably would, you know, maybe want to get a rematch with Santos, but it, it might force his hand to maybe move up to, to create some money fights. And uh, I don't know. Should be a good week of action, though, and or, you know, good weekend I got, of fights. I got 10 bucks on, on my jeta. Uh, (laughs) pay for your trip next year Uh, (laughs) so but you know so so yeah no i i just uh i mean 
I'm picking I'm picking Santos to win for that reason alone. But I mean, obviously, if Jones wins, I mean, you know, whatever. The, any, these people that I'm referring to can say I told you so. Whatever, fuck it. You know, like I said, his day, his day will come if it ain't if it ain't July 6th. It'll it'll be you know, whatever. But um, just because of what you were talking about, um, one of the things that stood out to me was uh, like after the fight when he fought Anthony Smith, um, he still proclaimed that 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 man is beatable you know and and uh obviously with the last win he was really revved up but of course he's got a broken hand so that fight if it's if it's in the horizon again we're not going to see it for a while but who knows i mean i don't know what else is going on this weekend i mean um just for folks listening uh after matt and i are done the uh, uh lights out extreme fighting championship uh second event is actually all also going on, it'll be on tape delay on Fox Sports West. Chad George, uh, who's his MMA vet, fighting for a while. He's fighting his last fight there, and I got a chance to interview him for sure, dog. So that interview will be after uh, this portion of the podcast. Um, so there, that's going on the same day. Obviously, more eyes are going to be watching the UFC, but you know, it's uh, it's worth noting given the, his time in the sport. Uh, quick note. And I hope this doesn't throw off the interview because you spoke to, to Chad a couple days ago. I'm just looking at the Twitter feed for Extreme Fighting, and it looks like he has a new opponent now. Um, it's still the Venezuela. Val- okay, he is, he is fighting Venezuela. So is that yeah. something that he was aware of during your interview? Okay. It actually, uh, uh, yeah, no, it changed a couple of times. But when I interviewed him, that was the opponent that uh, they had switched to. Okay, cool. So this isn't any breaking news. I just wanted to, to make that aware. I know he was originally supposed to fight uh, Kanahari and um, – Georgie's brother and his, his first name slips my uh, mind. So, okay, great. Uh, we'll look forward to listening to the interview and uh, fans can always follow us at combat hour. Follow me at MMA Hawk 21 on Twitter and Instagram. Catch Ed at Carbazal on Twitter at Carbeerzal on Instagram. I hope to have a bunch of pictures going up and any updates uh, that I'm able to get over the next uh, Wednesday to uh to Saturday night, so uh, we'll see be what watch- happens. <laughs> we'll be watching your feed closely on International Fight Week. Yeah, God bless <laughs> me and the traffic uh, getting out to <laughs> Vegas. So uh, that's what I'll be looking forward to. But uh, until then, Ed, I'll be talking to you over the weekend or this upcoming week, and uh, I'll have a lot to talk about next week, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, safe travels. All right, man, I'll talk to you. All right, Chad George. Uh this is for SureDog.com. Um, so I guess, uh, I mean, I saw some of your, your the interview you did with uh, Sean Merriman for Lights Out Extreme Fighting. Um, that's uh, uh, on July 6th you're, is your fight in your last fight. Is that right? That's it, man. July 6th, 15 years. We, uh, we wrapped this puppy up. So, I mean, uh, from what I saw, I don't know if, uh, de- depending on when folks hear this, um, is it just because you you're here, you have another call you you want to focus on coaching more? Yeah, you know, for me, I've been doing this for so long now, and unless my goal is to keep being selfish and become UFC champion, uh, I, I need to be able to give my attention to to the up and coming athletes that I have in my academy. And we have so many amazing guys that want to make a career out of this that really have an opportunity that I never had coming up in the sport you know they've got people around them that have been through it they have guys that can guide them through the ways of properly training through nutrition and and just have platforms to actually make a, a proper career out of this and you know it's it's time for me not to be selfish and be able to be there for them 
So at your academy's California Mixed Martial Arts? Yes. Uh, where, where is that in California? So uh, we are located in Gardena, California, and then we also have a smaller uh, location for kids in Southgate, California. Oh, so that's good. Then then you, you already got a, a little franchise going. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm at this stage of my life where I'm, I'm, I'm transitioning everything that I've built through my career just to make it a, a, a viable opportunity for other people to follow the same path. So, uh, talking about coaching, you're you're actually in Texas now. Are are you cornering someone that's on that Combate Americas card? So, funny enough, I never made it to Texas. Uh, I'm actually still here in California. My flights got canceled. Oh wow! uh, Due to to weather going uh, into Dallas, and so the times that they were able to get me on a new flight was going to get me at the same time as uh, Cooper Gibson was fighting. So, it it unfortunately wasn't going to work out. Uh, but I'll be uh, on the phone with him throughout the whole process leading up to it, and then obviously watching it on the um, uh, zone, uh, oh. sharing them on. Oh wow, man! But that sucks that you couldn't make it out there. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's this weekend was 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 going to be an absolutely insane weekend. Uh, I was going to fly to Texas, uh, has this fight Friday, fly back first thing in the morning Saturday. I've got a bunch of kids competing Saturday morning. Then I have three amateurs fighting Saturday night, and then on Sunday I have twenty-two of my jiu-jitsu students competing. Oh wow! So it was—it was, it was going to be a very busy weekend. I mean, so, it still is. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, with all this going on, I mean, I, I, you, you still have a fight coming up. I mean, I know it's your last <laughs> one, but uh, I would—I would hope you. I mean, I would think you want to walk away with a win. Is this—is uh, it—is it hard coaching and, and preparing for your own? It's absolutely hard, but luckily that the way my schedule set up, I'm able to train with my guys. I train with my coaches. Everything's kind of worked out pretty well. So it's just time management. You know, we you got to be able to delegate where you can and be very efficient in your time management. I mean, my day starts from the moment I wake up. I'm in my journals. I'm writing down my my scheduling. Uh, I have all the things that I have to accomplish throughout the day. Uh, my training's already added into to my regimen like as far as okay i have to do this at this time there there is no uh, other ways around it so uh, i've gotten really good at my time management how to schedule and the things that aren't needed to be done by me immediately i can delegate to those around me and it, it's 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 starting to become um, pretty comfortable so when you started i mean was was coaching and teaching something that you saw yourself doing or, or were you just like a lot of these young bucks out that come out and they're just thinking about you know, making it to the to the big time. You know, when I first started, it was it was just fighting the fight. I really didn't have any desire even to get to the big time. And when there, just I mean, back then there wasn't even really any opportunities for guys my size. You had to be 155 pounds and above originally. Mm. And then when the WEC came out, uh, then they finally had opportunities for us little guys. And I was fortunate enough to be able to fight for the WEC. And then the sport just kind of blew up from there, and it's been amazing to watch. And as I started uh, getting deeper and deeper into my career, I really enjoyed teaching. And it was even just whether it was like showing something, just a technique, or teaching group classes. And then I started seeing the impact that teaching has on others. And I, I started getting a big passion for it. And now I, I, I have almost an affinity for teaching people and watching them grow. And, Seeing other people succeed really does warm my heart. It makes me want to become a better person every time I get a chance to do it. 
That's good to hear. I mean, um, you know, usually some people are just kind of tired of it. Or, or I was covering Bellator last week, you know, when uh, Chael Sonnen announced his re- retirement, and he just he flat out said he he's lost his toughness. But um, it just seems like you're getting drawn into, uh, you know, like you're getting drawn into, uh, like you, you have a passion for passing on the knowledge, which when martial arts, when you think about any traditional art or any art where you're wearing a gi, uh, you know, that's the responsibility of, of once you master it for yourself is to pass it on to someone else. So that, that's really cool to hear. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's been a really amazing journey. And I, honestly, I would like to say a lot of it came from the concepts of jiu-jitsu. You know, I'm a jiu-jitsu black belt, and jiu-jitsu is something that truly has changed my life, the way I, I approach it and the way I see everything and the way I approach, you know, relationships as well is that, you know, everything that we do is a journey, and it's not about the result that we are pushing towards, yeah, there's going to be a positive, there's going to be a negative, but it's what you take from that and how you move forward from it. Just like jiu-jitsu, you get tapped, okay, you move on. You learn from that, and you needed that to happen so you can actually acknowledge what what you did wrong, you learn from your mistakes, and try to not let it happen again. Yeah, and, and that's something that there's, I mean, there it, there's so many young younger fighters coming out that I, I've noticed uh, just from all the fighters I've been talking to lately, um, like the younger guys that are, that are mature enough that already know that, and there's some guys that have to go through the losses still to learn that. So it's great that you're in a position, uh, or, or you've, you found yourself in a position where you, you actually want to do that. Um, but your fight in July, uh, uh, I didn't see an opponent. That, do, do you have somebody already signed up against you? Yeah, so we've actually been, it's been almost like a lottery of opponents. They've, we've had one uh, originally drop off, and then another one drop off. And then we've had several other people that um, were up in the air. So now we have a, uh, a guy from Mexico named um, Hector Valenzuela. I don't know. Too, I don't know too much about him. Um, I know he's a uh, he's a pro kickboxing or Muay Thai guy uh, from out there. He's uh, he's been around a long time. He's fought on some big shows. I think he's fought on Combate. He's fought on Brave. And um, you know he's he stepped up to take the fight. And, and I'm excited that we we have an opponent and somebody that's that's. Um, that's been around for a long time that has some experience and you know we get to go out there and have some fun oh yeah i mean definitely i mean uh you know mexican fighters they have the reputation i'm being uh being tough i mean i'm mexican so i have to say that too but uh um... 100 oh, like the, i know he's gonna come to fight he's gonna come to swing and knock my head off and he's been you know he's been around for a long time so he's not going to be a slouch and he's going to be coming out to win the fight every second um that he has a chance to so uh Working with, uh, I mean, Merriman's promotion lights. Uh, it's lights out extreme fighting. It's kind of new on the scene. Um, what's, uh, how's it been working with them? I mean, uh, you've been you've been fighting for a while. So, what's it like uh, working with a new promotion, especially in the current landscape of of the sport? Well, working with Lights Out's been great. They uh, they are new as far as the the global um, scene, but they've been around for a very long time in the local scene, um, just formerly known as CXF. So they've been around for a long time. A lot of my athletes have been fighting for them. I've known the, their old promoters and, their, um, and the, the partners of it for a very long time. My guys have been champions of the show. So it just makes a lot of sense for me to end my career with them oh. because I started here in L.A. And in my opinion, they're, they're not only the most prominent show here in Southern California, but they're also going to be making a much bigger name for who the promotion is as well. So it, it, just made, it just made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't even know that 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 connection existed there. So that's that's a uh, that was that's really interesting. Um, would you uh, would you 
consider doing uh, like I know obviously you're going to be around the space coaching and, and training all the fighters but would you consider doing like a commentary or, or a ringside analyst anything like that yeah absolutely uh, you know I've, I've done actually a lot of commentary before I've done some analyst stuff I do a lot of actually keynote speaking I go around the schools now and I, and I talk to the youth I talk to kids uh, I'm very big on breaking things down and just trying to analyze uh, information so I can so I can help people whether it's technically or even just overcome things um, in their in their own stories that they have going on. So uh, after this, I, I would love any of those opportunities, one hundred percent. Oh well, I hope you get them. I mean, you're very well spoken, and, and obviously you've been around long enough to. I actually I love it uh, when when uh, fighters you know are, are calling action and stuff like that. You just get the insight is, is from them is just different than uh, you know. I know they need the guy to read off the ads and stuff, but. Uh, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, just it's, different. It's horrible. You know, like we all see it all the time, especially with, uh, with how big the sport's getting. We get all these analysts that are on these network TVs, and because they're quote unquote specialists from other other sports, now they're called the color commentating or they're they're giving journalism to com- combat sports, and they have no idea what they're talking about. And it's just it's gut wrenching to hear, <laughs> and it's honestly it's heartbreaking to see. Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. I mean, I, I, as a, as an old uh, martial artist myself, I uh, sitting next to some guys and some of the stuff they say when they're when they're knocking a fighter, I'm like, do you know what the, this guy got through just to get to this night? Like, please, like I can't stand it myself. Um, uh, it's, it's horrible. I mean, I've been seeing it most recently. Like, we uh, there was one one uh, uh, article that just came out recently where they with uh, the whole Sage Northcutt incident of him getting injured, yeah. calling 1FC, they were saying that he was knocked out at an amateur promotion. And, yeah. I mean, this is just mind-blowing that these are the people that are giving the news to to to, to fans and the people who aren't as exposed. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. I mean, it, it's uh, if, if you're trying to educate and, and, and teach people about the sport, that's a horrible way to do it by bashing it. I mean, you're not going to bring in new... New people by by saying it's it's not worth seeing. Um, that's horrible. Yeah. But yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so it's July sixth. Your fight, right? July sixth, yes, sir. And that's the uh, that's their second event. It's LX LX lights. LXF two, yes, LX- and it'll be on uh, Fox Sports West. I think it's going to be a little delay. I don't, I'm not sure if it's live because uh, UFC is going to be the same night. But uh, LXF two, July sixth. All right, cool. Thank you so much, Chad. I really do appreciate the time, and, and uh, good luck with your, your future ventures. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for taking the time and, uh, and uh, wanting to talk to an old guy like me. Hey, I'm 43, so you're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take care. I right, appreciate it. Thanks. Enjoy the day. You too. Hey, guys. Ed here, East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions. And the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, Thanks again for listening. And if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Maybe uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.